Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hello and welcome to the Memorial Day weekend episode of Old Time Radio Forever. This is our second episode of the week. Before we get started, I just have to say a sincere thank you. This week, Old Time Radio Forever reached over 3,000 listens in our short time span. That shows that the love of Old Time Radio is alive and well, and it means I'm doing something correctly. Remember to use those um, voice messages that you can send in the link in the description of this podcast. Let me know. Do you love the shows? Do you What show you would love to hear? I can put those directly on the podcast. This week, to end the week, we're going to have a little one-hour special. We're going to have a comedy block on the Old Time Radio Forever to celebrate the three-day weekend. And remember, to um to keep the people that have sacrificed and died for us in the United States Armed Forces in your thoughts and prayers as you celebrate and remember on Memorial Day. So after our first commercial break, we will introduce our first comedy block episode of the week, the Jack Benny Program. The Jack Benny Program began its life on NBC and ran for over 20 years on the radio dials. It was behind the scenes of a variety show. We never actually got to the episodes of the Jack Benny program. It was the cast of characters preparing for the weekly show. And brilliant and very interesting way to present the show for over 20 years. Jack Benny would eventually leave NBC in the CBS talent raids led by Bill Paley. But this comes from the NBC years, and we get a day in the life of the charismatic and troublemaking band leader, Phil Harris, on old time radio forever. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Beat Me Daddy with a Pickled Beat. <laughs> Did you ever go out into an orchard, ladies and gentlemen, and pick fresh, ripe fruit right off the trees? Juicy, bright-colored fruit still warm with the summer sun? Well, it's just such pleasant memories as this that come to mind when you enjoy Jell-O. For Jell-O actually rivals the real ripe fruit itself, both in color and refreshment. Jell-O's gay scintillating colors make Jell-O a tempting and attractive dessert. A dessert that always adds lots of charm and good cheer to every meal. And in Jell-O's full-body tantalizing flavor, you experience a delight that simply unexcelled. A tangy goodness that you'll insist on enjoying again and again. So get Jell-O tomorrow in all of Jell-O's six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Just one taste of this grand treat, and you'll know right away why rich, shimmering, genuine Jell-O is America's favorite gelatin dessert. Daddy with a pickled beef played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the next to the final broadcast of the season, we bring you a man who came to you last October fresh as a daisy and is now standing here faded as a future, Jack Benny. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, I'm sure glad we've only got one more program to do. 
After 35 consecutive weeks of broadcasting, I'm worn out. Boy, I'm all in. Oh, Jack, radio isn't as tough as all that. When you come right down to it, you only broadcast one day a week. I know, Don, but think of all the preparation, the jokes, and the new ideas I have to have. I tell you, I'm exhausted. Well, you've got writers, haven't you? You mean corn and pone? <laughs> <laughs> writers. A fine team. I bought them a typewriter the other day, and they did a maypole dance with the ribbon. <laughs> A lot of help they are. Where'd you ever find those boys, Jack? Were they professional writers when you picked them up? No, they were just a couple of fast talkers. I met them in a drugstore in New York. Uh, one of them used to demonstrate hair tonic, and the other one drank it. <laughs> anyway, they told me they were writers, so I hired them, and I've been sorry ever since. Well, Jack, if they don't do their work properly, why don't you get rid of them? Why don't you fire them? No, I'm going to give them one more chance, Don. But if I don't grow hair by next year, out they go. <laughs> no jokes, no hair, no wonder I'm tired. Oh, Jack, you always have to make such a big issue out of everything. What? To hear you talk, anybody think you work like a dog. Well, that's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Why, Mary, do you realize what 35 weeks in radio takes out of me? Well, you take something out of radio, don't you? That's not the point. <laughs> that doesn't tire me. The work I have to do. Just lucky that I have a good constitution and the strain doesn't show. Not much. You're as washed out as a tea bag in a boarding house. Well, that does make sense because a used tea bag is tan and I'm as pale as a goat. And you know what it's from, don't you? It's those weeks and weeks of hard grinding labor. Labor? Do you call what you do labor? Well, chew, chew, chew if it isn't the honeymoon express. <laughs> What did you say, baby? Uh, that's, uh, that's what she calls him, folks. Uh, uh, what did you say? Look, Jackson, I've been listening to this chatter, and I don't know what you're beeping about. You only do one broadcast a week, don't you? Yes, but I... And that runs a half hour, right? Yes, but I get more lines than anyone else on the program. That's because you buy more hair tonic. Mary, I'm talking to Phil. And another thing, Jackson, out of that half hour, Don Wilson does two commercials. Yes, but... Uh, and Dennis Day sings a song. I know, but... And the boys and I do ten minutes of music. You do ten minutes of. Let's not classify it. <laughs> music, he calls it. Well, Alice thinks my band is wonderful. Phil, Alice is a dear, sweet girl, and she's entitled to her opinion. But love is blind, and in this case, also deaf. <laughs> Anyway, Phil, I don't know what you're driving at. What he means, Jack, is this. When you boil it down, you personally work on this program only 13 minutes a week. What? Imagine, only 13 minutes. Well, it's not the time involved, Don. It's the importance. For your information, it only took George Washington 12 minutes to cross the Delaware. How do you know? Jack was rowing the boat. <laughs> I was not. I missed it. I mean, I wasn't in the boat. <laughs> Let me tell you guys something else. Hello, everybody. What's all the excitement? Oh, this gang. Hello, Dennis. What's the matter? Jack's complaining because he has to work 13 minutes a week. Oh, where's he working? <laughs> At the Acme Buttonhole Factory in Extra Pants, Nebraska. <laughs> Where am I working? I was just telling the gang that the strain of broadcasting week after week has made a wreck out of me. Me too. I'd have a nervous breakdown if I could find a sanitarium that would take tenors. Dennis, what have you got to be tired about? You don't have that mental strain every week like I do. Well, I suppose it doesn't take brains to sing a song. No, not necessarily. Crickets can sing and they don't have any brains. Pardon me, Jack. Pardon me. Crickets don't exactly sing. Their song comes from rubbing their hind legs together. Oh. Say, I'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> Uh, do, Dennis, and let me know how it comes out. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's have your song in the old-fashioned way. We're about ready. Okay. What's it going to be? I'm going to sing You and I, a brand-new number written by Mary Beth Wilson. 
That's Meredith Wilson. <laughs> She's a conductor on the Maxwell House program. Oh. Now, go ahead. Hold it a minute. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? I wonder if your writers would sell me a bottle of hair tonic. I, uh... <laughs> I imagine they would. Uh, do you want to grow hair? Yes, I'm tired of the wind and the rain in my scalp. <laughs> oh, get out of here. You know, every time I see his head, I feel like sticking my finger in his ear and bowling. <laughs> Well, go ahead and sing, Dennis. With my legs on my tonsils. With your tonsils. Forget about that cricket. You and I, sung by Kenny Baker, and very good, Kenny. You know, a song like that is especially good for your type of... Kenny Baker? I'm Dennis Day, ain't I? (laughs) What? Oh, certainly. What's the matter with me? You fellas, I'm so tired and nervous, I don't know what I'm talking about. You guys think I don't need a rest. You're all so smart. And now, ladies and gentlemen... You're not mad because I'm not Kenny Baker, are you? (laughs) No. No, Dennis, I'm just confused, that's all. I'm irritable because I'm tired. And now, ladies and gentlemen... If you think Kenny Baker can rub his hind legs together, why don't you get him? (laughs) Dennis, will you please stop interrupting? Now, go crawl under the piano. Okay. See you later. Hmm. And now, folks... What a kid. And now, folks, Mr. Don Wilson, that eminent American playwright has written another of his famous one-act plays. Take it, Mr. Wilson. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, before proceeding, I would like to announce that any resemblance in this play to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. That's right. The play opens in the home of Mr. and Mrs. Philbert Harris. Now, Jack Benny will play the play. Hey, wait a minute. I object. I don't want any play about my personal life, bud. What's this got to do with you? Well, the character in our play is Philbert Harris, not Phil. There's no connection. Go ahead, Don. Philbert, an orchestra leader, has just finished playing a one-night stand on the sidewalk in front of the Ambassador Hotel. Uh-huh. Hey, now, hold it a minute. This guy's an orchestra leader, and I'm an orchestra leader. I smell a rat. Well, it's not you. 
Continue, Don. As the scene opens, Filbert's newly wedded wife, played by Miss Livingston, is at home waiting for her husband, Filbert, played by Mr. Bennett. It is dinner time. Curtain music. Oh, dear. I hope Daddy isn't late. I prepared this meal for him with my own little hand. Gosh, look at that salad. I wonder if the lettuce goes under the tomatoes or over the tomatoes. Oh, well. That must be baby now. Come in. Well, well, well. Hiya, honey. Are you jiving? Are you on the beam? Are you solid? Now, hold on there, Jackson. That guy is me. I talk like that. Quiet. I'm telling you, this is a fictitious character. I'll take it again, Mary. Hiya, honey. Are you jiving? Are you on the bean? What's cooking, baby? Ham hocks and butter beans. <laughs> now you're in business, honey. Yeah. <laughs> now you're operating. <laughs> yeah. Well, sit down, Phil. Mary. Bert. Hmm. <laughs> Say, honey, this food is okay, but where are them whipped potatoes you said you was going to make? We aren't having any. I couldn't find the whip. <laughs> nice going, honey. That's a little... You're in there punching, Alice. Alice? Now I got you. That's my wife's name. Phil, this Alice is A-L-Y-C-E. How does your wife spell her name? Well, wait a minute. I'll call her up. Believe me, it's A-L-I-C-E. There's no connection. Uh, go ahead, Jack. It's your line. Oh, yes. Say, honey, are we having black-eyed peas with candied yams for dessert? No, baby, we're having jello. Jello? Well, doggone, dish me, honey, dish me. <laughs> yeah. Not till you've had your ham hock. All right, baby, I'll eat them ham hocks, but I'm going to save plenty of room for jello. Yeah. So you see, ladies, if you're hep and want to keep in solid with your husband, serve him a dish of Tempton appetizing jello. It comes in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. They're all Lulu. Atta boy, Don. Atta boy. There, you see, Phil, aren't you ashamed of yourself? That play has absolutely no connection with you. Well, I wish the quiz kids was here so I could check on that. Don't worry about it. Well, Don, that was a very original playlet. And incidentally, while we're on our vacation, why don't you write up a few more for next season? I'll try to. By the way, Jack, speaking of vacations, what are you doing this summer? You going out of town? Uh, well, Don, I intended to go to one of those big fashionable resorts. You know, where you have to dress for dinner and throw your money away. But uh, I changed my mind. You know how Jack hates to dress for dinner. <laughs> So instead of that, Don, I intend to rough it. I'm going to a little place in the high Sierras called Eagle Nook Lodge and just fish my head off. It's way, way up in the mountains. How high is the place, Jackson? Uh, $3 a day. Oh, you mean the altitude? <laughs> it's about 7,000 feet, but it's ideal for me. Just give me a mountain stream and a fishing rod, and brother, those trout better watch out. Oh, sure. You wait and see. You couldn't catch a herring and Lindy's with Abe Lyman for bait. <laughs> Mary, one more word out of you, and I'm going to trade you in for a station wagon. <laughs> so cut it out. Well, so much for my vacation. Now, uh, how about a number, Phil? Okay, Jackson. Oh, Jack, I meant to ask you, who's taking over our show for the summer? Well, Don, the sponsor has a brand-new program lined up called Regular Fellas, and it's adapted from Gene Byrne's famous comic strip of that name. You know, Puddinghead, Duffy, Jimmy Dugan, and all those kids. Oh, yes. Well, that sounds like it ought to be a lot of fun. It'll be a swell show, Don, and I wish regular fellas a lot of luck on their summer series. Well, go ahead, Phil. Let's have your number. Now what? Come in. Mr. Benny, I still can't find your writers. Where are they? Look, bud, it's none of my business, but I'm afraid hair tonic won't help you. How'd you lose your hair, anyway? I pulled off a tight hat too quick. <laughs> What that guy needs is a mop with a part in it. Play, fellas.
That was There'll Be Some Changes Made, played by Phil Harris and his All-American Rhythm Kings. American Rhythm Kings meaning a perfect description of this outstanding musical organization, and all meaning I take it all back. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to announce that next Sunday, our final broadcast of the season will originate from the Naval Training Station in San Diego, California. Oh, what do you think of that? San Diego? Yes, sir. And incidentally, fellas, you know, I used to be in the Navy, and this will be a kind of a reunion for me. I thought you were in the Army, Mr. Benny. No, Dennis, the Navy. Uh, don't you remember? He was in that boat with George Washington. <laughs> Mary, I take an oath. I never even knew George Washington. <laughs> Please believe me. But no kidding, fellas, sometimes I regret ever having left the Navy. Gee, with that blue suit and my blue eyes, I, I was really something. They really liked the service, huh, Jack? I certainly did, Don. And I was getting along swell. Who knows, if I'd have stuck, I might have been an admiral today. With my chest just covered with medals. How could you hold them up? <laughs> Mary, I really need a station wagon. <laughs> anyway, I was just talking about what might have been. You know, fellas, I often wonder if... I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Oh, what do you want? Boss, if you don't get our boat out of the house, I'm leaving. That man's getting crazy every day. Oh, for goodness sake, you're always worried about Mr. Billingsley. What's the matter now? Well, he's been planning his summer vacation all day long. All right, what's crazy about that? He's out in the swimming pool right now taking swimming lessons. He's learning the Australian crawl. Well, what's crazy about that? He's going to swim to Australia. <laughs> now, that's ridiculous. Mr. Billing Mr. Billingsley is obviously kidding you. He can't be serious about swimming to Australia. Oh, he means it, boss. He told me to meet him at the dock in San Pedro early tomorrow morning. Oh, my God. What does he need you for? He wants me to hit him on the head with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> Well, use the domestic, not the important. <laughs> now, look, Rochester, don't let him leave the house. It's up to you to humor him. Uh-huh. Explain to him that he's not a boat. That'll be pretty hard to do, boss. He's wearing two hats. Two hats? Yeah, he claims the top one is a poop dick. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. Well, Rochester, keep him in the backyard by the swimming pool. And whatever you do, don't let him get away. Too late, boss. There he goes. <laughs> Well, catch him. Stop him. Humor him. Tell him before he leaves, he's got to take on cargo. He's loaded now. <laughs> well, Rochester, do something. Lock the front door. I'll be home right after the broadcast. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. What? Are you going to broadcast from San Diego next Sunday? Yes. Am I going with you? Yes, Rochester, you're going to drive me down in the Maxwell. <laughs> what are you laughing at? If that Maxwell can get to San Diego, Mr. Billingsley's a cinch for Australia. <laughs> Never mind. And don't worry, we'll make it. Now, goodbye. Doggone Mr. Billingsley really thinks he's a boat. I'll have to put a sign on his door, Pier 18. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have saved a few minutes of our program this evening to bring you a message from a distinguished guest, one of the nation's outstanding Americans. A call has gone out, a call which concerns the very defense of America, one which affects vitally the morale of the million and a half men already called to the colors. Realizing this serious situation, the President of the United States, the Secretaries of War and of the Navy, and the Federal Security Administrator 
have called upon every American to support the United Service Organization. Mr. Thomas E. Dewey has been drafted as National Campaign Chairman of the USO. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have the honor and pleasure to present at this time the District Attorney of New York City, Mr. Thomas E. Dewey. Thank you, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm mighty happy to be with you tonight. Now, Jack, uh, after that fine introduction, uh, I'd like to ask you something. What do you know about the USO? Well, Mr. Dewey, I think, uh, well, let's see, it's got something to do with soldiers or sailors. You know, if I'd have stayed in the Navy, I, uh, I might have been an admiral today. Admiral Benny. I know, Admiral. I heard your program. Oh, oh. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh, Jack, I'm afraid you don't know very much about the USO. But then neither do a lot of other Americans. Briefly, the USO is a joint effort on the part of the YMCA, the YWCA, Salvation Army, National Catholic Community Service, Jewish Welfare Board, and the Traveler's Aid to bring to the soldiers, sailor, and marine recreational and hospitality facilities outside the cantonment. Oh, so the USO doesn't work in the camps themselves? No, Admiral. I mean, uh, Jack. Yes. The service clubs will be all located outside the camps and bases. I have just visited in the last two weeks, in traveling over 9,000 miles, more than 21 of the camps. Imagine some of these places with 30,000 men cooped up in a camp, and the nearest town has 1,700 men, women, and babies. When they get a day off, the men have no place to go and nothing to do. It's a pretty serious business when we transplant a million and a half men from their homes and then leave them to think we've forgotten all about them. These men must know that 130 million Americans are really behind them. Yes, Mr. Dewey, that's a swell idea. It's going to cost a lot of money, though, isn't it? Not as much as you'd think. With the help of every real American, we can do a grand job for a little more than $10 million. But that won't build uh, recreational centers, will it? No, the federal government is supplying the building. It's up to the USO to get the funds to operate the clubs. Well, how are you going to get this $10 million? In every community in the United States right now, the USO is organizing an appeal for funds. On June 3rd, the drive starts with a broadcast from every part of the country to dinners all over the country. Every American, regardless of his views on foreign policies or anything else, can unite on this job and, through the USO, get behind his own defenders. Thank you, Jack, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Tom Dewey. We appreciate your coming to us and telling us about the United Service Organization. I understand that we have contributed over $60 million to help those abroad. And this is the first time we have ever been asked to help our own American boys. I'm sure everyone realizes that taking care of our boys is our job. And I assure you, we Americans will do it. Here's a grand dessert, ladies and gentlemen, that's not only delightfully unusual, but unusually delightful. A real novelty and a real treat. It's Jell-O's latest dessert triumph, Jell-O Charlotte. Something mighty good the whole family will enjoy. It's inexpensive, too, and of course, like all desserts you make with Jell-O, easy to prepare. Simply make up a package of cherry Jell-O's you usually do and chill until slightly thickened. Next, hollow out the centers of a dozen cupcakes and fill with the slightly thickened Jell-O. Then chill until firm and serve with a topping of snowy white whipped cream. And just watch the family response to this tempting new dessert surprise. So different and so delicious. Get a package of cherry jello and make up this swell dessert. You'll find the cherry jello, like strawberry and raspberry jello, has a new improved flavor obtained by using a natural flavor base artificially enhanced. And this means a flavor that's better than ever. A rich, distinctive goodness that you find only in genuine jello. So treat yourself to a new treat. 
Tomorrow night for dinner, serve Jello Charlo. A luscious combination of dainty cupcakes and shiny, ruby red cherry jello. The last number of the 34th program in the current Jello series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night at the same time, doing our final broadcast from the Naval Training Station in San Diego. And after that, be sure and tune in every Sunday night to our sparkling summer show, Regular Fellas. Oh, Mary. Yes, sir. I'm all in. Will you say good night for me? Sure. Good night, folks. Thanks. Here's a snappy new dessert. Ginger Snap Ice Cream. Where do you buy it? Well, you can't buy it, but you can make it right in your own automatic refrigerator with vanilla jello freezing mix. Just take a can of vanilla jello freezing mix and make up a freezing tray full of smooth, luscious, homemade vanilla ice cream. Then, when you stir it, add three-fourths of a cup of golden spicy ginger snaps broken into bits. Making it at home is the easy way and the only way. So get vanilla jello freezing mix tomorrow. This is the National Broadcasting Company. My jokes too much. People will say we're in love. Don't sigh and gaze at me. Your sighs are so like mine. Your eyes. Mustn't glow like mine. People will say we're in love. Don't start collecting things. Give me my rose and my glove, sweetheart. They're suspecting things. People will say we're in love. Don't praise my charm too much. Don't look so vain with me. Don't stand. For part two of our comedy block on this Memorial Day weekend, we go to Madison High. Connie Brooks is the English teacher of Madison High, and our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, tells the tale of the life of a high school English teacher. This show holds a special place in my heart because even 70 years later, it is a great view into the education world with all of the foibles and downfalls that come with being an educator. Being a middle school history teacher myself, I am instantly drawn to the writing and the comedic chops of the entire cast. It's striking 
how spot on they are with some of the relationships between, you know, exasperated principal uh, and teachers, the teachers with the kids, um, how they become an extension of yourself and how they become somewhat like your children. Um, Connie Brooks is constantly trying to help these young adolescents through those turbulent years. Also, in celebration of springtime, we are going to go back to May of 1950 and the baseball game. That is our Miss Brooks on old-time radio forever. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, the baseball season is rapidly getting underway, and Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, is full of enthusiasm for our national pastime. Yes, I am enthusiastic about the national pastime. Largely, I must admit, because of the enthusiasm for the game felt by one Philip Boynton, my national pastime. <laughs> Last Thursday morning at breakfast, my landlady asked me, how come? How come this sudden interest in baseball, Connie? Seems to me you never cared about the game very much. Oh, you're wrong, Mrs. Davis. I always had a deep-rooted love for the game. It just took someone to bring it out. <laughs> Mr. Boynton. It wasn't Ty Cobb. <laughs> the way I look at it, baseball will eventually further our romance. How do you mean, Connie? Well, I figure if he spends enough time looking at curves and watching fellows trying to get to first base, it might give him an idea. He's a backward sort, all right. Not about baseball. Tomorrow's the opening game, Mrs. Davis, with Clay City High, and already Mr. Boynton's invited me to go with him. Now, of course, my troubles just begin. I've got to have a nice sport outfit to wear to the game. What's wrong with the outfit you've got? Mr. Boynton's seen me wearing it three times already. Three times? Yes, to the opening games of 1949, 48, and 47. <laughs> I made up my mind that this year, when they throw out the first ball, I'm throwing out that dress. <laughs> oh, if only I wasn't so broke. Let me think a minute. If there was somebody who could lend me... I'm broke too, Connie. <laughs> if there was somebody else who could... No, I guess borrowing isn't the answer. Wait a minute, Connie. I was talking to Mr. Fisher yesterday. He's the nice man who runs the pawn shop on 4th Street. I know. We've met several times. <laughs> well, I just happened to drop in yesterday to see that my brother Victor's cigarette case was polished. And Mr. Fisher showed me the nicest sport dress. Brand new. He had just picked it up at Sherry's department store at their spring sale. A sport dress? What did he want it for, waiting on trade? <laughs> it's not for himself, Connie. It was for his daughter. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for you, it didn't fit her. And he couldn't take it back to Sherry's because all sales were final. So? So maybe he'd be willing to let you have it on a swap. But what could I swap him for it? Well, no, I'll need these fillings as I get older. <laughs> I'd be glad to let you take the vacuum cleaner, Connie. Well, that's very generous of you, Mrs. Davis, but wouldn't it make it terribly inconvenient when you wanted to clean the rugs? Oh, not at all. I'm pawning the rugs next week. <laughs> but with summer coming and all, it's much cooler in the house without rugs. Besides, I need the money for other things. Now, you just take the Hoover and stop off at Mr. Fisher's on your way to school. I certainly appreciate your kindness, Mrs. Davis, but I sort of hate the idea of having to get anything like this. At a pawn shop, I mean. I don't see why you should feel that way, Connie. It's just like any other business, and a lot older than most. Take Christopher Columbus, for instance. Without a pawn shop, where would he be today? Same place. <laughs> You're right, Mrs. Davis, though. If, if Queen Isabella hadn't raised the money on her jewels, Columbus couldn't have discovered America. Exactly. Then where would you be? That's easy. I'd be teaching Indian kids for very little wampum. (laughs) 
Good morning, Mr. Fisher. Well, Miss Brooks, I haven't seen you since you redeemed your locket. Correction. You haven't seen me since I pawned it again. After the holidays, remember? Oh, of course. It was on a Monday in January. I recall it because I took in six pairs of binoculars that day. The better to see my locket with, my dear. (laughs) But what I'm here about this morning is a slight business deal. You see, Mrs. Davis suggested that you might be interested in this vacuum cleaner. Well, Mrs. Davis is an old friend, but frankly, we don't have too much of a call for vacuum cleaners. Oh, I don't want any money on it. I just want to swap. You'll find plenty of use for the vacuum cleaner, too, because Mrs. Davis is about to put her rugs in your protective custody for the summer. Again? (laughs) Well, then I guess I could use the vacuum at that. Now, let's see now. What could I give you in return? Oh, here's something that might come in handy. It's for dressing and undressing, a genuine Chinese screen. Well, actually, we have very few Chinese getting dressed at our play. What I had in mind, Mr. Fisher, was this blue and gold sport dress over here. Those happen to be our school colors and... Well, I'm going to our opening baseball game tomorrow. I understand, my dear. You're perfectly welcome to the dress. Oh, that's very nice of you, Mr. Fisher. Uh, just one thing, though, Miss Brooks. Are you sure the dress will fit you? Even if it doesn't, I'll look better in it than I would in the vacuum cleaner. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Hello, Harriet. How's the beloved daughter of Madison's beloved principal this morning? Fine, thanks. Are you going past Daddy's office? As fast as possible. <laughs> what can I do for you? Would you mind dropping this letter on his desk? It just arrived. All right, I'll take it in. Thanks. Oh, and I almost forgot. Would you take this loving cup? Just for delivering a letter? It's the baseball trophy Madison won last year. Daddy asked me to pick it up after it was polished. I've got to run now. I want to catch Walter Denton before he invites anyone else to the opening game tomorrow. I know the feeling. See you later, Harriet. Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. I've got something for you. That is a matter of opinion. Oh, the, the trophy. Oh, yes, well, put it on my desk, please. Yes, sir. There. Anything else? Oh, yes, sir. Harriet gave me a letter for you. Now, where in the world did I put it? Let me look in my bag. Oh, it must be in here somewhere. Oh, that's funny. I can't seem to find it. Miss Brooks, each day the post office department handles hundreds of tons of mail. They carry it on trains and boats and planes over thousands of miles of varying terrain. They go through rain and sleet and snow and dark of night. And you can't be trusted to walk ten yards with one lou- one letter. Please, sir, I, I may have dropped it in the hall. I'll go out and look for it in a minute. Meanwhile, I wish you'd cheer up a bit. Think of the ball game tomorrow and how we're going to whip Clay City High. You picked a perfect subject to elevate my spirits, Miss Brooks. For your information, there will be no game tomorrow. What? But you can't do that to Mrs. Davis's vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I mean, I purposely got a brand new used sport dress for this game. I've been looking forward to it for months. So have I, Miss Brooks. Nothing would please me more than to soundly drub Jason Brill's Clay City Tigers. But the sad fact remains that we can't play them. Why not? Because through some appalling mismanagement of the athletic fund, our team has no uniforms. Who's been handling the athletic fund? Uh, That is beside the point. (laughs) I guess I went a bit overboard on the basketball appropriation. Oh, this is awful, Mr. Conklin. Baseball is the most popular sport at Madison. How well I know it. That's why I've taken my glasses off, Miss Brooks. They steam up when I gaze at this statue near my desk. The bust of the man for whom we've named our athletic stadium. The one person responsible for inaugurating baseball at Madison. Our beloved founder, Yoda Critch. (laughs) Oh, you 
feel badly, sir. A lump comes into my throat when I think of how he would take this catastrophe. And when I hold this loving cup in my two hands... Uh, Mr. Conklin. Yes, Miss Brooks. Would you mind letting go of my ears? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry. I'd better put my glasses back on. Look, Mr. Conklin, isn't there something we could do to make the game possible? I'm afraid not, Miss Brooks, unless we... Oh, wait a minute. Do you think our boys could play good ball without uniforms? I don't know how good they'd play, but they'd certainly draw a nice crowd. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. No other dentifrice offers proof of such results. Proof that Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Two years' research at leading universities using Colgate Dental Cream, hundreds of case histories, makes this the most conclusive proof in all dentifrice history on tooth decay. Conclusive proof that when teeth are brushed with Colgate's right after eating, Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Yes, the toothpaste you use to clean your breath while you clean your teeth, now offers a safe, proved way to reduce tooth decay. Modern science shows decay is caused by mouth acids, which are at their worst right after eating. Brushing teeth with Colgate's, as directed, helps remove acids before they harm enamel. Colgate Dental Cream has been proved to contain all the necessary ingredients, including an exclusive patented ingredient for effective daily dental care. Get Colgate Dental Cream today. Big economy size, only 59 cents. Always use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay before it starts. Remember, no other dentifrice offers proof of such results. Well, Mr. Conklin refused to let our team play without the proper equipment especially against Madison's traditional rival, Clay City High. I was pretty blue about the whole thing, so when lunch period arrived, I headed for Mr. Boynton's biology laboratory, my customary destination when I feel confused or unhappy or contented or cheerful or anything. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Boynton. I... Mr. Boynton? Oh, I'm over behind these cages. Just doing a little repair work. Have you heard about the game being called off tomorrow? Yes, and I'm just sick about it. I had my heart set on going to that game tomorrow. So did I. But don't be too depressed. We can still do something else together. Together? Oh, oh that's right. You were going along to the game with me, weren't you? Obviously, I was indispensable to you. <laughs> but I know what might be fun. We could go to the movies right after school. By four o'clock, we could be sitting in the balcony at the State Theater. Oh, but the State doesn't open until 6.30. That's what I say. It might be fun. <laughs> I, I don't understand. How could we have fun sitting in a movie for two and a half hours if there's nothing in the <laughs> Mr. Martin, please do me a favor. The next time we're in the balcony, borrow the usher's flashlight and see how your fellow Americans are living. <laughs> I guess I may seem pretty naive on occasion, Miss Brooks. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes you're quite a man of the world. Another world, of course. <laughs> now, suppose we go to lunch. I've got to finish early and drop into the domestic science room. Miss Westville promised to check my new sport dress and see what alterations it needs. Oh, is that what you've got in that box, a dress? Yes. Now, come on, Mr. Martin, let's go. Well, I'll have to join you a bit later on, Miss Brooks. I've got to finish repairing the locks on these rabbit cages. They're brand new, too. I can't understand how these iron locks were broken. Must have some pretty tough rabbits in there. <laughs> now, look at them, will you? Aren't they cute? I keep the female rabbits in one cage and the males in another. You would. <laughs> get your work done as soon as possible, huh? I will, Miss Brooks. I'd go with you right now, but it's rather important. You know how rabbit cages are. Of course. You wouldn't want to come back from lunch and find six cages where there were two before. 
see now. Where can I sit? Oh, there's Walter Denton. Mind if I join you, Walter? Not at all. Welcome aboard, almost appetizing morsel of Madison's faculty. Thank you, Walter. Well, it's a pleasure, I'm sure. Your apple-cheeked, cherry-lipped countenance is like meat and drink to my beauty-starved senses. Thanks again. Now get your teeth out of my arm and back into your saddle. <laughs> I'm afraid the ebullience of my greeting to you is not a true barometer of my feelings, Miss Brooks. No, no, we're formally cavorted the blithest of blithe spirits. There now sits a sodden lump of gloom, a veritable clod of a boy. Walter Denton, boy clod. <laughs> may be permitted an observation in your native tongue. What, pray, is the cause of this unseeming cloddery? Oh, it's Harriet Conklin. We had an argument, and now she's not talking to me. Oh? What was the argument about? Well, it started when I heard that Mr. Conklin was calling off tomorrow's ball game. And I said, I couldn't understand how our athletic fund got into such bad shape that we couldn't afford uniforms for the team. Then? Well, then I mentioned Mr. Conklin's administration of the funds in a way that Harriet construed as derogatory. What did you say? I said he was a marble-headed dimwit. <laughs> I guess that could be construed as derogatory. <laughs> Look, I know how you feel, Walter. I'm disappointed, too. But after My all... My feelings transcend disappointment, Miss Brooks. They can only be described as abjectly abysmal, cataclysmically morbid, and horrendously depressive. What did you have for lunch today? A Scarlet Burger? <laughs> Look, Walter, maybe all hope isn't lost. Oh, pardon me, Miss Brooks, but Mr. Conklin wants to talk to us about the ball game tomorrow. Yes, Miss Brooks, all hope is not lost. Now, you see, Walter, I told you. I knew it! I just knew if there was any possible chance to salvage that contest, Mr. Conklin would be the man to do it. Yes, sir, it isn't every school that can boast of a principal who, even when he's made a few prior mistakes for the athletic fund, can bounce right... Oh, in quiet! And... May we sit down with you for a moment, Miss Brooks? Certainly, sir. What's this about the game tomorrow? Do you really think we can hold it? That, my dear, depends upon the cooperation we get. Suffice it to say, I've contacted a sporting goods store in town who offered to rent us all the necessary uniforms and equipment for a paltry $25. Isn't that wonderful? Great. Have you got the paltry 25 Mr. Conklin? Uh, no, no, I haven't. My salary check doesn't come through until next week. However, that is not going to stop me. I feel now that I'm duty-bound to field a team against Clay City. Duty-bound? Yes, Miss Brooks. Only minutes ago, as I sat fondling our loving cup, symbol of Madison's baseball championship of bygone seasons, I looked up at the statue of our founder, Yoda Critch. And suddenly, <laughs> I seemed to hear his voice say, with a tear in it, I started baseball at Madison Osgood. Keep it going, boy. <laughs> and then, then I heard myself saying, but Yoda, where can I get $25 for uniforms? And fantastic as it may sound, Yoda said, Go, Osgood. Go and get the money from Miss Brooks. <laughs> Are you following me, Miss Brooks? You lost me when Yoda said, Go, Osgood. It's such a worthy cause, Miss Brooks. If I had the money, I'd hand it over in a minute. So would I if you had the money. <laughs> or if I had it, for that matter. But my check doesn't come through until next week either. But surely you must have a little something salted away? Just salt, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Gosh, Mr. Conklin, I wish I could be helpful, but I just can't. You rarely are. <laughs> I laid out my last $40 for those rabbit cages. I won't get it back from the board for over a month. And I just bought this sport dress with my last vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that is, I got it at a very expensive place, and I feel as if I'd been run through a if vacuum cleaner. If we could cleaner. only borrow the money somewhere for just a few days, I'm sure... Wait a minute, be... Mr. Conklin. Did you say borrow? Why, yes. For just a few days? That's right. Sir, you've given me an idea. Yes, I'm almost positive it'll work. Now, just sit still, everyone. I've got a couple of stops to make. Gee, Miss Brooks, you look like you're on your way to a ball. You're close, Walter. I'm on my way to three of them. Okay. 
pleasure. I'm at the rear counter, Miss Brooks. Just step this way, please. Certainly. I know you're a busy man, Mr. Fisher, so I'll be brief. What will you give me for this bust of Yodar Critch? Well, now, I don't like to seem callous, Miss Brooks, but you'd be surprised how few calls I get for busts of Yodar Critch. <laughs> I just want the money for a short time. Money? You want money for this? Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. That would be out of the question. However, I've still got that large Chinese screen here. You could have that in exchange. Oh, excuse me. I think another customer's coming in. I'll get back to you in a minute. Another customer? If you don't mind, Mr. Fisher, I'd rather not be seen in here with this statue. I'll just duck behind the screen until he goes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I'd like to borrow some money on what I have in this box. And what might that be? It's a blue and gold sport dress. <laughs> you want to call on a sport dress? Oh, yes, sir. It belongs to uh, uh, my wife. You know, the little woman. Oh, the little woman. Well, I don't usually take in dresses. Unless they're in the family, that is. But... Uh... Uh, do you mind if we discuss this in a moment? Another customer is coming in. Oh, another customer? But I mustn't be seen in here with this dress. I'd better hide behind the screen until he's gone. Uh, don't rush yourself. It'll take him a few minutes to open the door. Generally, they peer into the window outside for quite a while before sidling in. <laughs> I don't want to take any chances. I'll see you later. Oh, pardon me. I didn't know anyone else was hiding behind... Miss Brooks! Don't stand there, hubby. Kiss the little woman. <laughs> This is most embarrassing, Miss Brooks. I, uh, what are you doing with that statue of Yodar Critch? Well, I... Never mind that, Mr. Boynton. What are you doing with my dress? Well, I... Uh, never mind that, Miss Brooks. What are you doing with that statue? Quiet, Mr. Boynton. Another customer just came in. Good afternoon, my boy. Can I help you? Yes, sir. I'd like to hawk these rabbit cages. <laughs> rabbit cages? Yeah, just for a short period. And then we'll take it off your hands. Rabbits and all. This is an interesting day. And business is booming, too. I see another customer is about to enter. Another customer? Oh, I don't want anybody to see me in here. I gotta hide somewhere. Shh. Room for one more down front. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Brooks. I'll just. Miss Brooks! <laughs> oh, you won't tell Mr. Boynton about these cages, will you? I'm sure she won't, Walter. <sighs> I wouldn't want you to find out that I... Walter, what are you doing with my rabbit cages? What? Miss Brooks, what are you doing with that statue of Yodar Critch? Never mind that, Walter. What are you doing with Mr. Boynton's rabbit cages? Never mind my rabbit cages, Miss Brooks. What are you doing with that statue? What are you doing with my dress, Mr. Boynton? Walter, what are you doing with my rabbit cages? Well, that was fun. Shall we go around again? You're out some way. Quiet, Walter. Another customer just came in. Uh, I can see through a crack in the screen. He's coming all the way back to the last counter. And what may I do for you, sir? I, sir, should like to negotiate a loan on this silver loving cup. You mean you want to hock it? Don't be vulgar. $25 would relieve my temporary financial embarrassment, and the cup would be redeemed in a very short time. Well, oh, good heavens, somebody's coming in. I can't be seen in this sort of establishment. I'll just hide behind this screen until he leaves. Oh, oh I'm sorry, boy. Oh, that's okay, Mr. Conklin. I'll move over. Thank you, Walter. Now, Miss Brooks, if you'll move over a bit so that I can stand between Mr. Boynton and yourself, I'm sure we'll all be... Miss Brooks! <laughs> Mr. Boynton! Walter Denton! This is roll call. You've left out Yodar Critch. <laughs> So I have. Miss Brooks, what are you doing with that statue of Yodar Critch? Well, I... Walter, what are you doing with Mr. Boynton's rabbit cage? Like, Mr. Boynton, what are you doing with Miss Brooks' dress? Yes, Mr. Boynton, what are you doing with my dress? Quiet, quiet. That sort of buck passing will never take my mind off that statue, Miss Brooks. It won't? Well, try this on for size, Mr. Conklin. What are you doing in this pawn shop with the Madison baseball trophy? Ooh. <laughs>
pretty good. We're all here for the same purpose, to raise the money for the baseball uniform. Sure, now if Mr. Fisher will come through, we'll always... Well, my last customer just left. My, isn't it getting a little stuffy for you folks behind that screen? Stuffier than ever, lately. Mr. Fisher, this is a very strange situation, but we're all here after the same $25. Now, you've seen our collateral. Take any or all of it and please give us the money. Of course, my dear, of course. I'll give you $25 on this loving cup alone. Wonderful, Mr. Fisher. Now I won't have to cancel the game tomorrow. And, folks, our mutual mortification has not been in vain. Oh, uh, pardon me, sir. There seems to be a letter in this loving cup. A letter? Oh, that must be the one Harriet gave me for you this morning. It probably dropped in the cup while I was holding them both. Uh, no doubt, Miss Brooks. Oh, I left my glasses at the office. Will you read the letter to me, please? Yes, sir. Why, it's from Jason Brill. It says, Dear Mr. Conklin... Due to a shortage in our athletic fund, I am forced to cancel tomorrow's baseball game because my team has no uniform. Steve Arden is our Miss Brooks returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight? Yes, tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a Luster Cream shampoo. Luster Cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives you K. Dumas' magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Better than a soap, better than a liquid, Luster Cream is a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft manageable. Even in hardest water, luster cream lathers instantly. No special rinse needed after a luster cream shampoo. So gentle, luster cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight? Yes, tonight, try luster cream shampoo. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl, you owe your crowning glory to a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, we were all very disappointed by the postponement of the opening baseball game with Clay City. But my chagrin was short-lived because that night I had a date with Mr. Boynton. And soon I heard him saying... Come a little closer, Miss Brooks. All right. How's this? Closer. Like this? A, a little closer. Please, Mr. Boynton, if we get any closer to that movie screen, we'll be in the picture. Next week, turn into another Hour of Brooks show, brought to you by Hustler Cream Shampoo, the soft, glamorous, caressable hair, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis with the music of Wilbur Hatch under the direction of Maurice Carlton. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler. Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crana, Gloria McMillan, and Frank Nelson. Doctors prove palm olive soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. Yes, 36 leading skin specialists proved in tests on 1,285 different women that palm olive soap facials using nothing but palm olive brought new complexion beauty to two women out of three. Just wash your face three times daily with palm olive soap, each time for 60 seconds, massaging palm olive's beauty lather onto your skin. Then rinse. So start your palm olive facials today. Remember, doctors prove palm olive soap can bring you a lovelier complexion in 14 days. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>